Welcome to the Iconic Womanhood Podcast, where we celebrate and learn from the wisdom of authentic, brilliant, conscious, and creative women from all around the world. This podcast will leave you inspired, empowered, and equipped to become truly iconic. And now, here is your host, Akena. She is a transformational coach and speaker. Think about a flower that you know, maybe a hibiscus, maybe a rose, maybe a lily, maybe a ginger flower, whatever flower comes to mind. I want you to think about what happens when it blooms. It attracts pollinators. And what do pollinators do? They get into the flower and they take the pollen, which is the gift of the flower, and they spread it around. They amplify the gift of the flower. The other thing that happens when a flower is in bloom, it is, it attracts attention and elevation. A flower is picked, it's put in a beautiful arrangement, it's set up on high to be admired and to bring inspiration to every room it's in. That's how I see women when they are in bloom. They attract attention and admiration just by being. They attract destiny helpers to amplify their impact. They create soulful success. And that's the work that I do. I help women shift into the feminine leaders that they were born to be, restoring and reclaiming their feminine energy and authentic power, restoring their original bloom. You see, when a flower isn't blooming, you don't blame the flower. You check the soil. You check the way it's been tended. It's not about driving yourself harder, which is what most of us do. It's not about hustling and grinding more. It's not about how many hours you spend in the gym because they're people with perfect bodies, but they don't inspire you. You don't feel connected. There's They don't have that energy. And they're people with totally imperfect bodies. So when they walk into the room, everybody turns. Let me tell you, it's not about how much money you're generating because money alone isn't abundance. There are people who are working the hardest in the, in the organizations and they don't get any attention. It is really about being in bloom. Today, I want to talk to you about some simple things you can do to be a woman in bloom. Because when we don't understand this, some of us, we create lives that look good on the outside, but on the inside, something is off. So many of us work to look like we're in bloom, but deep down inside, we really are not in bloom. And as a result, they look like beautiful flowers from afar. But when you come close to people like that, men and women, something is not quite right, right? There's something a little off. Their fragrance, their energy is not inviting. It's sometimes judgmental. It's sometimes hard. There's an edge to it. Your fragrance, your essence is about doing the inner work. It's about having soulful success. It's about truly becoming who I believe you were born to be. The idea of blooming is starting from the inside out versus the outside in. Whatever success you are looking for has to start with a journey through self. Remember when Esther was preparing for her life as queen? You know I like a Bible story, ladies, right? So bear with me. Let's go into the Bible once again. Esther, and you will find her in the book of Esther in the Bible. It's an incredible story. Even if you're not a believer, go read it. And it gives you so much wisdom. Esther was an orphan. And 
through a whole bunch of things. I'm not going to go into all of those things. The king at the time wanted a new queen. And so he asked for all the, all the beautiful virgins in the land to be brought into his, into his uh, palace, into his harem. And he would go through them one after another and select which one he would have as queen. But before they got to see him, they went through preparation. Esther went through 12 months of preparation. For the first six months, she went through a detoxifying process. And we know it's a detoxifying process because it is said that they use the essential oil myrrh. Well, myrrh has, you can create it into essential oil. I have that as an essential oil. They just use myrrh, which is a detoxifying agent. In fact, not only does it work on detoxifying our physical bodies, myrrh has been shown to work on our limbic system, which is the center of our emotions. And so definitely that six months, the work they were doing was what I would call inner work. Inner work on the body, but inner work on the mind, the heart, the soul. Because for a woman to truly rise into her bloom, to truly be a queen in God's hands, she has to go through a process of releasing, of detoxifying all the hidden beliefs, all the old programming, all the hurt, the different things that happen. So many of us don't even realize how many things happen to us when we were young. And they may not have been big, big things the way other people would recognize them. But we now know that trauma is really how we process it. So you at six years old may have experienced something that locked in your body as trauma, locked in your mind, in your limbic system, and it has created patterns, neural pathways in your brain. And as a result, you see the world, you experience the world, you show up in the world a particular way. Trauma changed you. And that trauma could have been as significant as abuse. It could have been as everything is significant. I don't even want to use that word, but it could have been something that is easily recognized as trauma, like abuse, or it could have been something that isn't so readily recognized as trauma. I shared recently how the fact that I moved back to Nigeria. I was born here in the United States and I lived here till I was about six or seven. I don't have too many memories of growing up here, but I do remember the Montessori school I attended. I remember a lot about peanut butter. <laughs> I do. Uh, and then I remember going back home to Nigeria. And at the time, Nigeria was not my home. America was my home. I had never been to this country and I was scared. I remember feeling scared and I asked my mother, what is it like in Nigeria? She says, oh, there are palm trees. Because she was trying to find a, a, a reference point for me. And she said, well, they're palm trees. And I said, oh, palm trees. And I remember flipping through a magazine one day and seeing a picture of Club Med, beautiful white sand beaches and palm trees. And I said, oh my goodness. I went to my mom, I showed her the picture. I said, mom, is it like this? The, the, are there palm trees? Is, does it look like this? Is this where I'm going? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
<laughs> as mothers are want to do, she kind of shoved me off with an idea because, of course, she had a lot to do. She uh, had been here. She and my father had been uh, here. They both were educated here, and and that's why we were born here, probably right because uh, they were getting their education. They were working. My father owned a store back then, and and they were both uh, professionals working, and so they were getting ready to go back home. See, for them, it was the opposite. America was not their home. Nigeria was their home. And so they were moving home. And so there was a lot to do and not much time to prepare me for our transition. And at the time, we didn't have the awareness, even all of us, right? Collectively, as humans, we did not have the awareness of the psychological impact. We didn't have the awareness of the spiritual impact. We are becoming more aware now. We are in a transformational age. But in those days, we didn't understand and so we went back home, their home, not mine, but it became my home as well. In fact, actually what happened was over time, I learned how to be at home wherever I am. And I remember getting back into Nigeria. I remember that first day literally feeling shocked, physically shocked. Everything was so different and I'd never experienced anything like this. It was, there was so much sound. There was so much, everything was just, everything was so strong. There was so much smell. There was so much noise. There were so many people. It was just, everything was different from anything I'd ever experienced. It's something that I come to, I've come to yearn for now. When I land in Lagos and I feel the heat, because literally when you get off the plane, a wave of heat, whoosh, you can actually tell on the plane when we cross over <laughs> the temperature. You can tell, I think we can tell when we cross the equator because the heat, when I get off that plane, that heat, the way it gre greets you, it's as if it reaches out for you and wraps you around and sucks you in. <laughs> I both uh, loathe it and love it now. It has become home, but at the time it wasn't. At the time I was mocked mercilessly for my American accent. I was made fun of daily. Every day was a, a challenge. I remember for a season, my mom would say, go out and play with the kids. And I would not want to go because every time I would go, they would make fun of me. Ah, Americana. Eh -heh, eh -heh. What do you want to say now? Eh -heh. oh, huh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was constant. And I didn't recognize that as trauma, but it was, right? My parents would never recognize it as trauma, but it was. It was a kind of trauma. It was a kind of trauma and it locked something in for me that impacted me for many, many years. It was until I did the unpacking, until I did the unpacking, that I was able to release something. People often uh, that know me very well experience me, at least back then, as a very insular person. And I still am. Like I said, I learned how to be at home in myself if it was one of the only places I felt like I could be myself, right? Because I was constantly you don't fit in, you don't fit in, you don't fit in, you don't fit in. And so I, I began to really, it locked in for me. Oh, I don't fit in. Well, the only place I can fit in is with myself. And so it, I think it informed my very, um, my introversion. In fact, as I'm speaking to you now, I'm having an awareness because when I tell people I'm introverted, people are often surprised. Really? Hmm. And I am introverted in that I need time to myself to recharge. I act extroverted, but I also am a little extroverted. And we now know there are people who are ambiverts, right? So I like to be around people. I do not like 
you know, surface, shallow, superficial conversations and that kind of energy. So I don't enjoy that kind of interaction. I love to be around people who are soulful, authentic, and where we can go deep and have real conversations and just really connect at a, ooh, I love those. I get charged up by that as well. And so I'm beginning to have an awareness because one of the things that I know is that I I, I think I was born left-handed. Uh, my daughter is also left-handed. Uh, so it supports the concept that I was born left-handed. I have memories of that. But in Nigeria, the culture is so against left-handed. It's considered disrespectful to hand something to someone with your left hand. So you will be smacked constantly, right? You will be corrected constantly. And, you know, sometimes people who grew up like that learn to become right-handed in a sense. And and I wonder if, and, you know, I'm right-handed, but I wonder if I'm also uh, the introversion was, you know, maybe not as natural to me. Maybe it wasn't my original self. And this is live and direct. I'm unpacking here for you. And this is the kind of work that we do that helps us really connect to ourselves. Just, hmm, that process of self-inquiry. Hmm, I wonder. Hmm, I wonder. So we go through trauma that stops us from being in bloom. We go through trauma that, that stops us from being our original self. It's like the old age-old story of the swan, right? The ugly duckling. You're moving through life as a duckling because you've gone through something that makes you think you've been placed, you've been pulled out of your original habitat with other swans and you've been placed in this habitat. And so you think you're a duckling and you're trying to fit into being a duckling, but it doesn't work, right? And you're struggling and you feel bad about yourself because you're not in a good place. You know, you're, you're not appreciated where you are. They, they, they can't see your value. They don't understand everything about you. They don't understand how iconic you are. They don't because they're ducks and you're a swan. And you don't even know until one day you look in a real mirror, which is what I provide for my clients, which is why the masterminds are so important and the Complete Womanhood course is so important that it provides a kind of mirror where you see yourself sometimes almost for the first time and you realize, wow, this is me. And that helps you take yourself back to who you are called to be. You see, Often, it's not even that just my work allows you to see yourself. It's that sometimes you need someone who helps you have the permission to be authentic and vulnerable and open up in a way that you haven't felt safe to do before. And, and that is one of my gifts. It's the way I live my life. I've learned how to be more vulnerable. I've learned that I cannot live any other way than who I am. I am not willing to fit into anybody else's boxes anymore. And over time, life has continued to strip me down. <laughs> and so as a result, people, when they come into my spaces, they feel that way too. And, and I have a deep love for each person that I'm blessed and privileged to support. I, I, I learn to love more and more every day, including myself, and, and I'm grateful that for that process. Because in order for a woman to bloom fully, she is going to have to open up. It's like opening up your petals in a way that you haven't before. It is key to being able to really live a life in bloom. 
Like I said, in the Iconic Women Mastermind, a lot of the work that is done is that inner work to rise into their queendom. But also they do outer work, right? So we do all the outer work on ourselves, our our, our minds, our bodies, our, our wealth, our, our businesses, our careers, which is why people have diverse, powerful results. It's so important for you to tap into your full, your personal power. It's so important for you to be able to, to do the work that you're called to do. Because when you start to bloom fully, you can really live an incredible life. And it releases you from a lot of the common things that you see out here, like comparison, the stress of comparison. You know how people always say they're triggered by people's social media and they feel overwhelmed and, and it makes them feel bad about themselves. That's only because you don't yet understand your bloom. You don't understand yourself because when you look at flowers, you never see a rose trying to be a sunflower or to, or to be a tiger lily or a hibiscus. A rose does its business as a rose. It obeys its genetic imperative. It does what it needs to do. It gets the necessary nutrients. It doesn't say, what, what is she doing over there? What nutrients is she getting? No, it says, I, as a rose, this is what I need. And it does what it needs to do. And it, it, it blooms. It doesn't uproot itself trying to get into another garden because it seems as if more is happening over there. No, no, no. It stays exactly where it's been planted. And it blooms. It blooms. It's so critical that we are able to do that. I want to give you some points. I want to give you some points, some points around how to bloom. And of course, if anything I'm saying is deeply resonant for you, you want to go deeper. There are some opportunities that I have to go deeper. Of course, we have the mastermind, which is for women who feel called that this is my season of significance. This is my season of leadership. This is my season to rise into more. If you're asking yourself, what's next? What's more? I know I can do more. I want to be more. I want to get to that next level. Then the mastermind is for you. But if you're in a place where you're like, you know what? I just want to do my work right now. I'm not ready to carry anybody else's load. I'm not ready to, to be a leader. I'm not ready to even think about that right this moment. I really just want to do myself. You might even be a leader. You've been doing that. And you finally just need time for you. The Complete Womanhood course is a powerful place to start. We've had women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, take it, marry, divorce, single, take it. It is transformative. It will allow you to do this business of unpacking and really getting to know yourself. And many of the things I'm going to talk about right now in these four points, you will deep dive into them in those courses. So let me give you the four things I'd like you to think about that will help you really become a woman in bloom. The first thing is a commitment to getting what you need to bloom. You have to be like a plant. You know, a plant does not make apologies for taking all the nutrients out of the soil. A plant does not apologize for reaching towards the sun. You have to become unafraid, unabashed, unashamed to ask for what you need. It's always amazing to me when I walk into my living room and I have some plants there. And I can tell when I haven't, you know, because if I've been out of the house or uh, because I'm, I'm that person, I walk downstairs and the first thing I do in the morning is I open up all the shutters. And uh, my child, however, I don't know, is this happening in your house? Because it happens in mine. I don't understand. They don't seem to really appreciate the sun the way I do all the lights will be on. Like every light will be on everywhere. And I'm like, why are the lights on? It's daytime. Can we just open the windows? Can we get some natural light in here? There's so much natural light. 
you know, and I can tell, let's say I've been out of town or anything like that. I can tell when there hasn't been a lot of natural light for the plants. I can tell. They're like, listen, we don't just need water. We need light. We need light to thrive. And you see the plants, they'll reach. You put a plant far away from where there's a sun, a window, you'll see the plant begin to arch itself towards the window. I know, I know there's some plant parents in here and you guys can validate what I'm saying, right? Flowers reach for the sun. We must begin to reach for the sunlight. We must become deliberate and intentional about surrounding ourselves with things that nourish us. And we have to be deliberate and deliberate and intentional as well about avoiding those things and people that drain us. We have to be willing to move and, and, and arch ourselves if need be to get what we need. We have to take it from the soil. We're not apologizing. We're not, you know, oh, I, I, we're not, there's, a plant doesn't consider whether it's high maintenance and there are some high maintenance plants. There are some plants that require certain things in order to be what they are. An orchid is a little high maintenance. It's not going to thrive just in any kind of environment. And some of us are orchids. Don't apologize anymore for who you are. God created you a particular way, just like he created orchids and he created some other more sturdy plants. Maybe you are more delicate and that's okay. You can be delicate. Tell yourself, I'm delicate. I require more. And when I bloom, I'm beautiful and I inspire more. Listen, no more apologizing. Can we just say that? I have to become deliberate about getting what I need. Second thing that is important is that we need to really be intentional about being in community with like-minded people in symbiotic relationships. We need to be around people who understand, share our values, who honor our voices and, and who we can honor what they're saying as well, who share our vision or honor our visions. You know, if you're around people who think your vision of life is crazy, stupid, or ridiculous, you are not going to do well. If you're around people who always push, you know, knock down your values and, well, you're just this and you're that and you're ridiculous. I remember being around someone all the time who would say, well, not all the time, who every time I was around them, they would say, you're so idealistic. You're so idealistic. And, and the, the person had very opposite values from me. That's why they saw my values as idealistic. People who share my values think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's how I live too. <laughs> so when you are around people who are constantly putting you down because you don't share what they share, you know, you're just in the wrong community. You won't thrive. Plants need to be in the right place to thrive. Flowers need to be in the right place to thrive. Not every flower can thrive in every soil. You have to ask yourself, am I able to thrive here? Am I able to thrive in this organization? Am I able to thrive in this family? Am I able to thrive in this relationship? You know, when I talk about people being toxic, it's not that they're bad people, it's they're toxic for you. And you have to start looking at it that way. It's not safe for me to be here. Even for my girls, I have two girls, when I, when they, I tell them, when you start thinking about getting married, think not just about how, oh, he makes you feel when he's dating you and he's being romantic and all that stuff. Ask all the other questions. His lifestyle, will it be conducive to my ability to thrive? His values, will they be conducive? The people he likes to surround himself with, the family he comes from, the culture, his personal culture, his lifestyle culture, will it be conducive for me? Because it's so important for you to ask these questions. At the same time, 
community should not be homogeneous. Now, the important things are values, voice, vision. I really think this. But sometimes we get into a situation where everybody is like us and we don't have diversity. Biodiversity is necessary for a community of plants, agriculture, right, to thrive, but it's also necessary for us. We don't really recognize how important it is. Diversity and inclusion is all this buzzword and it sounds like the right thing to do. It's not just the right thing to do. It's not just the good thing to do. It's the most <laughs> wonderful, effective, smart thing to do, whether for an organization or even for us. We need to be more intentional. I know that I am becoming more intentional about making sure I have diversity in my life. And I'm not just talking about diversity in race, diversity in gender, diversity in experiences, diversity in age. We want to open ourselves up to different ways of seeing the world, different perspectives. As long as they honor us and we honor them, we can listen and learn. Some of us are stagnating because we are not getting any fresh perspective into our lives. It's so important. Ask yourself, can you learn from the people around you? Are you open to receiving new perspective from them? Some of the things that kill community are people who have a mercenary mindset, very transactional way of looking at it. I give to you, you must give back to me. I must take it back. That kind of energy is actually very stressful. People who are very combative, who have a very competitive spirit, you know, where you feel like you're constantly in a tennis game. Tennis is nice to play like a game at a time. But if you are forced to keep lobbing that back ball back and forth all day, every day, you would be exhausted. Some of you are exhausted because you're around competitors and you don't really realize it. I've been around people who are competing with me and I didn't even realize it. And you're like, why does this ball keep coming over here? What's going on? <laughs> you don't even realize that you're in the midst of a competitive game and you're like, oh, wait, I didn't know I was playing. That's not how I roll. There's enough for all of us. Inauthenticity in others and in ourselves. Sometimes we, you know, we find ourselves you know, not really showing up as ourselves. And, and when you do, and this is real talk, because no one is perfect. We all have stuff inside that causes us to behave in different ways. Don't, and this is, I wrote about this recently saying, please, let's stop this facade of perfection and this pressure. Sometimes you're not going to be your best self. We are all working towards being our best selves, but sometimes you are not. And when that happens, acknowledge it and go into it. Ask why that happened. Oh, told a little lie there. Why did you tell that lie? Huh? What happened? Why did I? What? What? What went? What? What was the process? What? What was really coming up for me? If you can really teach yourself that, that is a more honest way to live your life. Like, hmm, I know that 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 wasn't my true self. Why did I do that? That wasn't my best self. Why did I do that? I I kind of I had a meltdown there, huh? Why? I own it. Clean it up if you messed it up. Oh, I apologize. I, you know what? I, I told you something that wasn't quite true. Oh, you know what? I wasn't quite honest here. Oh, you know what? I I, I, I hurt your feelings. I, I, I was a little envy rose up in my spirit. Just own it. I apologize. I apologize. Clean it up if you can. And then clean it up within yourself. What happened there? Hmm, okay. Forgive yourself and move on. You want to make sure that you have a community that you feel secure in and that you feel like they love you and you love them. And if you don't have that, it's time to become intentional about building it. 
The third thing that you need in order to really be in bloom is appreciation. When women are appreciated, we literally bloom. Think about the last person you showed appreciation to and how they lit up. We need to appreciate ourselves. We need to be around people who appreciate that us. We need to teach people to appreciate us. You know how you teach children? You give them something and you say, say thank you. We also need to train the people around us to appreciate us for the things that we do. We need to also appreciate them. How do you train the people around them, around us? How do we do that? One, stop waving away compliments. When someone says, oh, you look really nice, don't say, oh, this is nothing. When someone says, oh, thank you, that was such a lovely thing that you did. Don't say, oh, this is nothing. Oh, no, you don't need to say that. That's not necessary. Say thank you. When someone sends you a gift and says, thank you for blessing me, say thank you. It was such an honor, such a pleasure to be there for you. Say thank you. Don't train them not to offer it to you by always saying no to it, by never receiving it. Receiving it actually allows them to learn to give to you. So teach the people in your life to appreciate you. And you also do that by appreciating yourself. If you are always denigrating yourself and knocking yourself down and demeaning yourself and talking badly about yourself, using self-deprecating language, then you cannot expect anyone else to appreciate you. It starts with you. Charity starts at home. Start giving yourself some love and compassion and grace and give it to others. That's another thing too. People will not appreciate you if you don't model it. So model it. Model the love that you want. Model be the change you want to see, as Gandhi said, right? So put that out there in your community. And in order to really appreciate yourself, you really need to understand yourself. You have to know what you need. And that also goes back to point one about being unapologetic about getting what you need, but you have to know what you need. You have to know who you are. And the reality is a lot of us don't really know. We don't know whether we need more space or less space. We don't really know if we need more nurturing. We don't really know what it is that brings out the best in us. You need to be able to do the work. That's a lot of the work that in the self-mastery class in the Complete Womanhood course, we kind of go through, definitely we go deeper into it in the mastermind, especially as feminine leaders. It's important to know those things. Ask yourself questions like, what are my petals made of? What are the gifts I bring to the table? Ask yourself these things because it's so important to know this. This is the fourth thing. In order for you to bloom, you really have to have an understanding of yourself and what you bring to the table, what the colors you have that make you shine, you know, what are the different things that you do that make you extraordinary, that make you iconic. I want you to take a, an inventory of all the things that you bring to the table. In fact, here's a great exercise you can do. We've done this at some of my workshops. I used to do a workshop called Bloom some years ago. I will do this again. So, uh, But uh, this is something that we used to do that I created this exercise. I want you to take some post-it notes. And on this post-it note, uh, and each one, write down something that you know that is something you bring to the table, a gift, something that's that people honor about you that you think is valuable, right? Write those things down. And some of them will be big things. Some of them will be little things. It could be, you know, I make a mean uh, jollof rice. It could be, oh, um, I have a great sense of style, whatever it is, write it. And, you know, start putting them together as if they're petals, Put them together as the, if they're petals. In fact, you can, if you're very artistic, make it like a thing of art. 
and you post, put that on your wall somewhere so that every time you look at it, you realize, oh, wow. You know, so by the time you're done putting them like round and about, it comes, it looks almost like a flower. And you begin to see how all of your gifts help you bloom. It's important to recognize that everything that you have to bring to the table, every gift has value, has value. They may be, have different levels of value based on, you know, timing, seasons, you know, what the needs are, but they all have value. And it's important to recognize that in order for those gifts to all manifest, you have to take care of you. You have to bloom. You can't get all those things that you put on that flower petal, right? You can't really see it until it blooms. There are many flowers that go through life in the bud. They never bloom. And what a sad thing that is. You don't want to be that woman who goes through her life in a, bloom, in a bud. You want to be able to bloom. And so today I really want to just challenge you. I want to remind you that everything about you was made with intention. Even your weaknesses are part of your bloom. Work on yourself. Show up for yourself. But don't let your flaws make you say, oh, I'm not enough to bloom. Your flaws are part of it. Your flaws are part of it. What you perceive as flaws. Everything about you is intentional. It's part of your bloom. A rose has its thorns. It's so important to show up, to let yourself be everything and love yourself in this process. It's time for you to step up. It's time for you to open up all of your petals so that we can see just how extraordinary you are. Come through, iconic woman. Come through. God bless you. Be well. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. If you are listening to this show, it probably means you are ready to move from success into significance. Please visit us at iconicwomanhood.com and get a free gift to help you on your journey.